pressures of getting top grades, the pressures of that looming college decision, the pressure to compete and succeed in sports, the pressure to fit in to be liked, the pressure of flawlessly managing their digital image, the pressure of others' expectations, pressure to always make the right decision, the pressure to be perfect in all areas of their life. Why does it appear that the pressures of a student are insurmountable these days, and how do we equip students to handle the stressors of today that they face? I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer, and this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. All right, here we are. We are back for another episode and can't wait to get into it today. And I have a special guest with me today, Jason Brewer. Good to have you hey, here. Hey, it's good to be back. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> You've been out for a while, man. Oh, quite a while. It's been a long time. It's good to it's see like you. Good to hear you. Good two months. Yeah, you took some time off. Yeah, graciously been given the sabbatical by my boss, Jeff Eckert, to take some time off and be away from work. And that's what I have been doing is not working. So yeah, now I'm cool. back in the office and here we are. You just completed your first seven years here with us at Never the Same. That's correct. So after a crazy busy summer of NTS camp and producing all of our stage environments, you were able to take some time off with family and enjoy that new little baby girl. Yep. Yep. Was able to spend plenty of time with my family. There was a lot of time of just, you know, I've mentioned it to you before, but I would uh, pretty much not have any agenda for the the day and, you know, wake up, make some breakfast, get the kids off to to school. My two oldest sons are in in school. And so the other two would be home. And the moment that either my wife would take them to school, my youngest son would be like, all right, dad, let's play a game. <laughs> you got it in but, there. Let's go down to the basement. I want to play. Yeah. I want to play a game with you. And so it would every day pretty much would start with playing with my son Dawson while my daughter Sayla would just kind of observe. But most of the time it was just no agenda. Uh, and, you know, I even mentioned it to you before as well as we reflected. We've met and kind of reflected yeah. on, on some of those times is that uh, – when you're so used to producing and so used to uh, a to-do list and so used to just having to always work, basically, I, I would sometimes sit and, and not have anything accomplished for the day. People would go, hey, what'd you do today? Or what'd you do this week? And I, I literally was like, I don't know if I did anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so it was weird because then you, you feel like, am I squandering this time off? And, and you just, you reassured me that it's like, I think that's how it's supposed to be. The sabbatical is not necessarily squandering the time, but you just, since you're always in this mode of producing, yeah. when I wasn't producing anything for the day and the, the day would go by, you know, I'd, I'd go for a run, I'd make lunch, I'd hang out with my kids yeah, and then my other kids would come home and then, you know, chaos would ensue and and bedtime and then you just get done with the day and you look back and you're like the day is gone what did i do and yeah when people would ask i'd be like wow another week went by <laughs> yeah, it's a great reminder i remember 
the first time I've done two sabbaticals since I've been working here one before I started and then one seven years in which was in 2016 and I think um, you know this isn't about sabbaticals actually interesting enough in a couple episodes we are going to talk about Sabbath but I think what I learned and people do Sabbaths different ways ministries churches do them even some workplaces do them academia does it Um, but I feel like my personal thing as the leader of our organization is no agenda. I'm not giving you any assignments. I know some churches say read this book or attend this conference. I want the opposite of that personally. I I feel like my mandate to our employees here is just take time off and do whatever you want, but focus more on being than producing. And I was glad to hear that you did that. But you did produce one really big accomplishment though that you haven't even brought up, which to me is a huge deal. Is dude, you ran a marathon. In Utah, I did at yeah. the end of your sabbatical. The biggest, I guess. You goal. trained for like a month. <laughs> You're ridiculous. You're such six a runner. Weeks. <laughs> I know six weeks, and you prepped for a marathon. Uh, yeah, crazy. That was the biggest thing: is looking at the time off, being able to to train for a marathon, having the time. Uh, you know, with four kids, I was like, man, this yeah. is now the time. You so, very wisely scheduled to return home with a red eye flight and then sat in the Chicago <laughs> yeah. airport for eight hours eight hours after in the running middle of the night from yeah. 12 until 8 a.m but yeah I trained for a marathon in Utah you know when I chose to run a marathon I wanted to do it in in a, a mountainous area wilderness area uh instead of a big city or something like that but something more out west so I chose yeah. St. George Utah and uh trained for it and uh ran it this past a week ago Saturday and uh blew myself away and how fast I ran it. That's and awesome. when I say how fast, I guess it's relative. Uh, because Just so I, you know, ladies and gentlemen, he is a, a dude's a gazelle when he starts well, running. Well, I guess sure. the two-hour barrier was broken. Yeah, so it you was. look at how fast some yeah. people can run. But, yeah, uh, that's insane. A that 323 that. marathon, I was very pleased with yeah. my time. and That's good. And, good for you. And, you know, knocking 18, 19 minutes off my previous marathon. Yeah, run. that's incredible. Good for so, you. Well, it's good to have you back. Glad yeah. you're here. It's good to be and back. And I know, though, though, in a couple episodes, I think you're going to have maybe some interesting things to share when we talk about this idea of getting in that rhythm of just being once a week, as Scripture teaches us. And um, so the last few episodes, I've been running solo here. And I think I mentioned before, we got a new producer, Simon, sitting here in the room with us, and we're Really glad to have this dude around here as we're continuing to grow. Yeah. But those are some good episodes. We talked about the um, things that have impacted modern American youth ministry the most. We go through a list. So you need to check those out. And we interview Alan Weed, who was there in person to see almost every single one of these things happen. He's kind of a historian in my perspective of modern youth ministry in our society. So those are great episodes. And then... Today and next week, Jason, we're going to be talking about something that we're all seeing and we're all talking about in general, but we're obviously going to continue to focus on the specifics, and that's stress and anxiety in students. Yeah, in the next two weeks leading up to the episodes on Sabbath, we thought, why not hit on the topics that most students are are dealing with is stress and anxiety and and the differences between the two so we split those up into two episodes so that we can look at stress specifically and we've asked the students from our research 
very specifically about the stress that they're experiencing. And so we're going to dive into those numbers today. And then next week, kind of a, a two-part, the anxiety aspect of what students are experiencing and digging deeper into that topic as well. We want to thank you for joining us and taking your time to be with us as we talk about how we can continue to help students and learn from them in order to, to really be able to help them and from a faith perspective and context. And so we appreciate if you're a new listener and you're jumping on this season, we're glad to have you with us. And one more thing before we jump into the topic, Claim Your Campus 2020 is coming up, Jason. We are under 300 days from this historic event that will happen next summer, July 4th weekend. You need to go to claimyourcampus2020.com and just see what's happening. Look at the the updated list of artists and guests that will be with us for that weekend as we train and equip students in this music festival environment to reach their school. Our goal for Claim Your Campus 2020 is to have 100,000 students from 10,000 schools there. And to do that, they need an adult that will claim their school and be an advocate. Sign up that school at claimyourcampus2020.com and get a group of 5, 10, 15 students out there in Kansas next week uh, for that weekend next year in 2020. So find out more at that website. There's continued updates on social media if you're on the Claim Your Campus Facebook page. But we want you on this journey with us. God's about to do something pretty spectacular next summer. We've got over 50 organizations joining us for this, and uh, something big is going to be happening next year. Now, Jeff, I don't know if you are open to sharing what you shared with me at this point or if it would be something that would be something you share down the road, but I know that God has spoken to you in regards to Claim Your Campus 2020 in a very powerful way, uh, in a way that you almost were reassured and you shared that with me last week or two weeks ago and i thought that was that was uh very crucial in this event because you being the leader of the organization and the the vision holder of this event to be able to be reassured by god in such a powerful way i I just thought that was something that you might want to share just even a little bit yeah, I, I, I've been in this journey of dreaming about this event and feeling like it is a vision from God for about 10 years now. And in the process of the last few months, as, as this is, is ramped up towards this culmination of this moment that has been um, being planned for several years now, I began to feel really... Uh, ironically enough, stressed and anxious <laughs> about what's happening. And and God has done so much to show us with the amount of resources that we've been given, with the number of organizations. And yet still I found myself saying, God, are you really going to do something here? Are you really going to show up? And how do we pull all of this off? And And I felt like I needed some godly confidence because even though I know this vision's real and I, if you're listening to this I don't know if you can relate to this and something in your life happening now but but you know God's leading you but you need that confidence that that just centers you and that's what I was needing and I was I've been spending more time with God in the midst of a crazy schedule that I'm trying to keep up with I'm personally committed to just spend more time with God not just about this event but just in general and God took me to 1 Kings 18, and 
that might be a story in the Bible that you might be familiar with, but it's the prophet Elijah. He's on Mount Carmel, and it's the showdown between the false gods of Baal and the true God of his people, Israel. And as he's standing there, it says that Elijah stepped forward in this prayer in Isaiah or in First Kings 18:36. Really grabbed me, and I'll read it for us, Lord. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. And after that, God moved. The fire fell. This offering that was set up to test and see which God was real was consumed by fire. And for me in that moment, I was sharing with you, Jason, that that God gave me a godly confidence that this event isn't just going to happen, but that God is going to do something amazing. I was interacting with a youth pastor that was saying to me, Jeff, it's a great event. I believe in the vision, but it's July 4th weekend. It's like the worst weekend of the year. It's a holiday. What I said to them is, yes, it is. We chose that for a specific reason because it was the most available weekend. If you think about it from a national perspective, it's the most available weekend in the summer because it is a holiday. People are generally off work, and even though they have their traditions, we're asking, if you believe in this vision, take one of your holidays and give it up for this once-in-a-lifetime event because we know that God's going to move and do something there. And I'm encouraging you today to consider your part in this historic event. I've been traveling a lot lately, and I ask, I've asked thousands of students and adults face-to-face, do you know what Woodstock was? They've all said yes. We've talked about it in this podcast just a few weeks ago. They know what it is, and that's because it was a powerful moment in history and in culture. That was 50 years ago, and middle schoolers still know what it is. And imagine in the year 2070, if people are looking back and saying, in the year 2020, something happened in our nation where a a generation of students met with God in a field in Kansas. And as crazy as that sounds, it is going to be a moment and an event to remember. So we want you to be there. So claim your campus2020.com to learn more. And people will remember moments like that far more than they remember movies. Yeah. You know, you think like the blockbuster hits and how easily they fade away from memory. And yet millions upon millions of dollars are spent on it as well as spent out of our pockets to go see it. And they diminish in time, but moments in history of an event uh, lingers. And when you combine in the, the spiritual, supernatural side of things, of God being in that mix, that just exponentially increases the impact and the memory of a moment like you're talking about. Exactly. Well, I just, I remember you mentioning it and what you have also said about stress and feeling stress and that reassurance from God really calmed that stress down brought such a peace and confidence to you and today we're talking about stress and stress in students and what they are feeling and we just wanted to dig deeper into what's causing them stress as well as maybe some solutions to alleviating that stress so it's important to know right now as we get into this topic today we're going to be talking about stress in this episode and then anxiety in the next one and jason you've done some research i think there's a really Um, important thing for us to know as a framework of this conversation is that stress in essence is external 
and anxiety is internal. And Jason, just flesh that out a little bit more so that we can understand that. From what I believe is, is stress is an external exertion on us. So whether it's, um, you know, an event as big as Claim Your Campus 2020, all the things that need to happen, or whether it's a financial issue or trouble, whether it's a relational issue, whether you, uh, your spouse, but even a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, there's issues that are external that's causing you stress. And, you know, you may lose a job or have a bad grade or a fight with a friend. Uh, these are all considered external things that are, are causing stress on us. And then when you are able to um, resolve it or uh, that time passes to be able to um, find a job or you resolve the issue with your friend or the event has passed, that stress factor has relieved itself and you're no longer concerned with, with that and you're not feeling stressed about it. And so that would be what, what I believe is, is stress. So dependent on circumstances, relational, financial, etc., circumstances come and go and because of that, stress can come and go. Anxiety, more internal. We're going to define that next time, but basically it's something that uh, really comes more from inside of us rather than our circumstances. And we, you know, you get into things like mental health and other issues, but it's a persistent feeling of apprehension or dread, things that we're dealing with internally. Yeah, regardless of whether the, the stressors have faded or not, you're still feeling that anxiety internally and emotionally and stuff like that so so when we when we see students in dilemma that we're working with this is important jason because this distinction because we need to identify right away if this is stress or anxiety we need to know is this something caused by the external circumstances maybe their parents are going through a divorce or things are really rough at school or they're getting bullied online are they is it a stressful is it a circumstantial thing or is it anxiety which is a completely different situation to deal with, which generally a lot of times can very quickly get in over our heads in terms of what we can do to help. But I think for us as youth workers and working with students and some parents listening, it's important to try to get at the root. Is it is it internal or external? Is it stress? Is it an external thing? Or is it anxiety? Is it internal? And some of the things that we can look at symptom-wise for stress can help us out in determining whether it's stress or anxiety, where if we're looking at a student or a friend and there's some emotional um, evidence like fear or irritability, anger, resentment, loss of confidence. Um, these are emotional things that are, are an emotional evidence of, of stress in their life. Cognitive, it's they're having a harder time making decisions. They're more or less confused. Their thoughts are repetitive. When they are saying something or thinking through something, they're they're still thinking about that that moment or that thing that is coming up, whether it's a test or uh, confronting a friend about something. You know, they're they start to have their thoughts be repetitive on it, or physical, where it's dry mouth, tremor, sweatiness, pounding, heartbeat, chest is tight, uh, difficulty breathing, muscle tension headaches dizziness you know what you sound like right now uh a doctor you sound like bob wiley i get dizzy spells nausea cold sweats hot sweats 
fever, blisters, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, blurred vision, involuntary trembling. Oh. Some of you <laughs> barely know what I'm talking about, but Bob Wiley and the movie classic What About Bob, great yes. movie when he lists all of his symptoms. Baby steps. So physical, and then you have some behavioral things, loss of sleep, nervous habits, might be eating too much or too little, you know, different things, maybe like biting your nails, drinking more coffee, alcohol, things we take in that, that may change. So these are some of the symptoms that you may see. And so as we're working with students, you may want to think about, do we see emotional things? Do we see cognitive? Do we see physical? Do we see behavioral? Are we are we identifying some things that are causing stress in their life? Now, what's really cool, Jason, is we, we continue to research. It's really unique. We asked thousands of students. These numbers are very, very fresh. They just come from just a few weeks ago. Um, but we asked thousands of middle and high schoolers about stress. We're going to talk about that. But then we also ask adults how they perceive students would answer this. The very adults from these students' faith communities and churches around America so we've got some interesting differences and similarities. And the topic was stress, uh, one of them, and we asked four questions in regards to stress. And the first one that we asked was, rate the level of stress in your life over the past year. And the answers range from extremely stressed, very stressed, moderately stressed, slightly stressed, or not stressed at all. And the top answer at 31% was very stressed, which, okay, that's, a, that's the second uh, top. It's not extremely stressed. It's not moderately stressed. But if you pair that with extremely stressed and moderately stressed, you have 24% feeling extremely stressed and 29% feeling moderately stressed. So the majority of the responses is either moderately, very, or extremely stressed. Yeah, about 85%. Yeah. 85% of students saying, I'm either moderately you know, somewhat stressed and up, up to extreme. So it's a big percentage. And even within that, the number they're saying, I'm extremely stressed or very stressed is 55%, over half. Those are some pretty high numbers. Students are feeling that. And on the opposite side, only 3% are saying they're not really stressed at all. That's low. That seems really low. So 97% of students are saying, Somewhere in there, I'm feeling some stress in my life um, that's happening. Now, adults, where they differ, adults are thinking the amount of students who are stressed is higher than how students responded. Yeah, the adults said 55% of students would say very stressed, which that was also the top answer for students, but they didn't really say that they were extremely stressed, nor did they say that they were not stressed at all. It all was kind of paired between very stressed and moderately stressed between the top two answers. So the students' number one answer, very stressed, 31%, and the adults thought that 55% of students are, are stressed. That's a 24% difference. That's a pretty big swing there. So students um, are feeling stressed, but I think adults are maybe projecting that a higher number are feeling the higher levels of stress, if that makes sense. So the, the students that are feeling more stressed, there's less of them than what it, we as adults think, according to this research. We also asked them, what causes the most stress on a regular basis? Is it the school and grades, their future and what they'll do with their life, their family relationships, 
their friend relationships or their schedule and how they're managing their time. And number one, number one answer, school and grades. That's correct. School and grades close to 40%, 30, 39% are saying that school and grades are the number one thing that causes them stress on a regular basis. That's a pretty high number, four out of 10. That's the number one thing they're saying. I thought it was interesting that that the least thing on the list that caused them stress was their schedule and managing their time. Which you would think would cause them a lot of stress because of how we perceive students and they're involved in so many things, school and sports and extracurricular activities like job and and the expectations are placed on them for managing that time and and their school schedule is their schedule is packed. It seems like all the way up until they they sleep, and so you would think that is a a number that should be higher, but it actually is the lowest number. Now, I'm going to get off on a quick tangent here, but I just read an article recently. I even think I reposted it on my Facebook page. This is several weeks back, but. There's a thing about on study of the effectiveness of homework. So school and grades is the number one cause of stress. And I've never really been a big believer in homework. <laughs> and uh, somehow or another, I managed to get through high school without hardly ever doing work at home. Now, I, back in those days, I took a study hall. And uh, I don't even know. I know a lot of schools don't even do that anymore. But I, I took a study hall almost all the way through high school. And I just cram my work in because I'm like, man, when I go home, I am done. As as Lloyd Christmas says, I've had it with this dump. I was out of there, man. I did not want to deal with anything back at school. And and I know that's not possible for a lot of people. And I think I have a, a gift of just getting things done quickly when I want to. But, but I, I really think that the amount of homework that's being loaded on students, we need to always be looking and evaluating that. I, I just think I know as a parent, I'm seeing my students, you know, do sometimes two and up to three hours of homework a night, and I just don't get it. I'm a proponent of of no homework. I mean, granted, it also comes from uh, being a parent as well, and you start seeing that, and you're like, well, any time that y- you need to take to do this homework is also time that I need to be a part of this as well. And it's like, who's doing the homework here? Yeah, that's <laughs> <You> right. <laughs> and I look at it, I mean, if you're going to work eight hours a day, and then you're coming home from work and doing three or three hours. Now, some jobs I get, you need to do that. But when you're growing and when you're trying to spend time with family and just have a normal life as a kid, you're going to school. So you're doing your nine to five, so to speak, at school all day. And then you're coming home with more to do. I just don't believe in it. And I know people listening to this, there's going to be opinions all over the place. I'm giving you mine. But um you know, and I'm not an educator either. I have taught college classes for 15 years, but you know, I would say that homework is just something I think we need to, to look at. But it causing a lot of stress for students. We know that that's happening a lot, and that's something we need to continue to consider: is what can we do to help students manage the stress that they're experiencing in their schedules? Adults thought the biggest stress factor for students was their friends and their relationships with them and so that was at 30 percent of adults responding thinking that would be the biggest stress factor in a student's life is is their friends and how they interact with them and it was in fact very low it came in fourth on the students list of things that cause them stress was relationships with friends so a lot of times we hear about that we hear about drama and all that and definitely not saying it doesn't happen 
but it's a lot lower on the list for students. School number one, then their future at 22%, then their family relationships and friend relationships right in the same pocket there, about 13 14%, and then managing their time at 11 So again, adults are thinking that their relationships with their friends are causing a lot more stress and isn't as much. Now, when we get into the next segment here, we're going to talk about what can we do to help students? I think that's important. We've kind of talked about what it is and some of the issues, but what do we do to practically help students deal with stress in their life? One of the things that in looking at stress and how it affects students and impacts their lives is the negative impact. We, we tend to look at, at stress and it's a negative aspect in one's life. And so we look at the negative aspects and some of the things that, that affects a student's life is their sleep, they get less sleep, most likely because they are trying to accomplish something or their thoughts are keeping them up at night. Their mood, they're more angry or irritable, and their grades. Their grades are impacted by the stress. And when I see these things as what is negatively impacting a student's life, I also look at the cycle of stress that these have where if they are stressed, and they get less sleep and they're worried about the grades, their the grades are impacted, but then because their grades are impacted, the stress level goes up because they're not getting the, the grades that they're expected to get. So they're getting less sleep, trying to bring up the grades. And you know, if the stress is causing them to get worse grades, it's just this vicious cycle of stress that it just kind of sticks out to me when students are impacted by stress, how it just kind of keeps cycling through if if we don't deal with it. Yeah, and get into that downward spiral where students are, yeah, it's it's hard to get out of. And and so as we consider what we can do to help students, we need to remember that stress can impact students negatively. It can also impact students positively too. And I think depending on, you know, if it's an external circumstance, that might be something that's really stretching them. For example, if they really feel stretched in the area of their time and managing their schedule, it may be that they're not spending their time wisely. And so that stress can cause them to to step up in their life and say, I'm going to manage my time differently. You know, it's interesting that, and I don't have the research and the study in front of me, but I know, and I, I can speak anecdotally, again, as a parent, just as a person, as a leader, but Students that have more going on, if they're involved in um, more activities, extracurricular and sports, they tend to have better grades overall. Now, I've been to many, many student award things with my kids over the years, and I can tell you that the students that are winning Athlete of the Year and they're involved in band and they're doing this and that and they're on varsity and they're on these different teams, those are the same students that are standing up to get academic awards. I've seen it over and over and over throughout the years. So how students react to stress can be either positive or negative. Now, we ask students, the stress in your life, does it impact you negatively on a regular basis? Now, some strong numbers here from students. Students have said, yes, I strongly agree that stress is impactingly negative on a regular basis is 33%, one-third. Another third says they somewhat agree. So we're talking about two-thirds that are saying, Yes, it does somewhat or very much so impact my life. Now, adults 
either when, if they feel like that it's impacting them negatively very much so or somewhat, that number is much, much higher in this case. In fact, it's almost 100%. We're talking around 92, 93%. Yeah. And that's that's the majority, obviously. But when you think the adults are going, for sure, absolutely, stress is, is causing a negative impact on students' life. Like, no question. Because from that point on, it's like 1%, barely 1% saying, I disagree with this statement. Yep. So students are, are saying, yes, I... Stress is affecting me somewhat all the way up to very much so, but that's only two-thirds. Now, that's still a majority, but again, compare that to adults that are, that are believing that 92 93% are, are being you know, negatively impacted by stress. So again, it's important for us to know so that we're not projecting negativity on students. And then we ask students, what's the number one way you reduce stress in your life. We're going to talk about some solutions here that we can help, but what are students do doing to reduce stress in their life? One of the options was talk to somebody, pray or read my Bible, go on my phone, do something active or something else in their life. And the top answer was to do something active. That's the top answer for the students was saying, in order to reduce stress in my life, I... I do something active. And the second answer was talk to someone at 23%. And so between the two of those answers, um, it's, it's kind of normal of how they would react to stress is how adults would react to stress. Do something active, alleviate that, or, or just by simply talking to somebody tends to alleviate that stress because you realize maybe it's not as bad or you talk through solutions or, you know, there's just that support and encouragement by just talking to somebody and that can help a, a stress. But um, adults, on the other hand, their top answer thinking how students reduce stress in their life. Fifty four percent said they thought students go on their phone. Just thought that was a little bit interesting that as opposed to 18 percent of students saying that that's right. their way is to go right. on their phone. So doing something active to me, that was a surprise. I was very surprised by the answer being number one for students, not not as much surprised by them talking with someone. But I, again, I was surprised with how low the answer was that they would go on their phone. So students are dealing with it in different ways. The answer here was, was kind of spread out. There wasn't really a, a response that jumped out as like overwhelmingly over the top. But number one answer is doing something active for students. Number one answer was 55% students going on their phone when adults are only saying 18% are doing that. So those are some big differences there. Jason, let's talk about some solutions because as youth workers, we are dealing with students that that we're there to help, we're there to guide, we're there to give guidance in their life. And I, I can't help but think that Psalm 3 gives us a great template as we think about what we can do to help students. I'll read you a couple verses here. Psalm 3, verses 3 through 6. And David writes this when he was on the run, actually, as a psalm. But he says, But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep, and I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Number one thing we need to always remember is this is the God of peace that we're pointing students towards. We can give them all these human answers, 
but God can give them a peace. And we see that in this psalm from David, that even in times of great stress, God was his shield. He was his protection, that he called out to God and he heard and knew that God was answering him. And he felt God's sustaining power. And because of that, he was not afraid, even though he felt pressure all around him. The pressure was outside. Tens of thousands assailed me on every side. And yet he went to God for protection and as a shield to have confidence in the stressful life that he was experiencing and and look to him. And that's what we are really to, to do as a guide, as somebody who is investing into students' lives, is to respond with this calmness and confidence. It's it's a little bit easier to be on the outside of that situation that the student is in and to look at it and go, just respond with calmness and confidence because it will be okay. It is, is in, it may be stressful, but how we respond is also important. It, we've mentioned it where it's like responding to a child who falls down and scrapes his knee. And if we freak out, this, the child freaks out and then we are both freaking out and but if we are able to respond with calmness and and confidence that things are going to be okay, it doesn't diminish the scraped knee. And I don't. I think that's also important is to not diminish the stress, yeah. but it allows that student to respond with the same likeness and calmness and confidence and, and starts to trust that, yes, it will be okay. Yes, I can have confidence in getting through this. So pointing them to the God of peace, number one, you mentioned responding with calmness and confidence. Number two, number three, is earn their trust by being a consistent presence in their life. We need to be there for these students. And when they're stressed, if they know that we're around, if we know that they're in the mix, we can't just show up when we want to, when we feel like helping them. But I think the number one way that we can be there is to be consistent. Whether that's being there at youth group every week and not missing and making it a priority in your schedule even though maybe you have a lot of things going. I think that's important. I think that, uh, you know, as a parent, if you're listening to this, is being intentional and being focused and not being distracted when you're with your students, being there, having time on a routine basis is really, really important. And number four is reinforcing to them that you are there to listen. When we looked at the numbers, 22% of students responded saying, I alleviate stress by talking to someone. And we can't, we can't deny the fact that that's very important in a student's life is to have an adult that is able to be there and you are reinforcing saying, hey, I am here to listen. And regardless of circumstance, you are able to, to help that student through the, the stressful situation, not necessarily take it away, not diminish the, the obstacle that they have to face, but to be able to listen and, and, and speak into their life. Those are things that are so important. We need to continue to remind them of that. And, you know, these days more than ever, it's important that we are there as supports for these students. I've said it over and over, and I'll say it again, that there's never been a time in our, in our nation's history where we, as youth workers, as parents, are more important to provide support for students that... Many of these students, their families, they're just completely disconnected. The dad or the mom or parents may not even be in the mix in their life. There's so many things happening around them that are causing stress. And we need to be there for these students. Our support is critical. 
And I just want to thank you for listening to this because many of you are there and you may feel like, well, I don't know if I'm really doing anything. I want to remind you that your your support, your presence, and your prayer for these students really does matter and makes a difference in their life. And that's the most important thing is just showing them that you care on a consistent and regular basis. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.